Hello, and welcome to part two of April Fools, where I look at some classic prank movies, such as Return to Horror High and Slaughter High. However, today I'm looking at 2008's April Fools Day. So I finally cracked open the shrink wrap on this and slipped it into my Blu-ray player. Yes folks, this is the first time I'm watching this movie, so this will be my true, honest opinion on this thing from a first time viewer. Now I'm trying to think why I didn't want to see this back in 2008, and I think it was due to the reputation it got from my friends, so I never bothered. However, for this podcast I'm going to delve into it. So here we go. Starring Taylor Cole, Josh Henderson, Scout Taylor Compton, Joe Egender and Samuel Child, directed by Mitchell Alderini and Philip Blores. The movie opens up on April 1st, 2007, and we are introduced to Desiree Carter, played by Taylor Cole. Or should I say her tits? Can this dress be any more low-cut if it tried? Hmm. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, the staff are playing a joke on Wolford the Butler, played by Frank J. Ard. With the old, I chopped off my finger with a meat cleaver gag, as Desiree storms in and not even batting an eyelid, barks orders at the butler, just before Blaine Carter, her brother, played by Josh Henderson, comes out of the shadows and explains it's all one big joke. Wait, what now? Hmm. We now meet Torrance Cadwell, played by Scout Taylor Compton, the worst thing to happen to Laurie Strode since a knife in the back. But more on her next month when I look at the disaster that is Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 or H2. She gets filmed by Ryan, played by Joey Gender, using one of the biggest digital camcorders I've ever seen. Then in Bouncy's Barbie. Really? Barbie? And wearing pink too? With the blonde hair? Really movie? Eesh. Played by Jennifer Shabil Neustrom and her husband Peter Welling. Really? Peter Welling? Oh, God. Played by Samuel Child. And this is the core brats, oh sorry, cast of the movie. And even though we're only two and a half minutes in, I can't wait to see these all get killed off in inventive ways. Since this is the quote, golden age of smart slashers, before movies such as Hostel and Saw turned horror into gore porn and torture porn. Hollywood gore and torture is not scary. Nor is jump scares every three seconds. That is just fucking plain annoying. Stop it immediately. Anyway, back to this movie. Where, of course, Desiree is holding court over Torrance's big coming out ball. No, not like that. But a debutante ball. And, of course, she starts off with the pranks. With an ink-lined glass for her brother, Blaine. So, Ryan goes around the party recording people who are congratulating Torrance for coming out. I'm guessing she's turned legal age to marriage, so I have no idea, or she gets the money from her estate. Fuck knows what the hell that thing is. Anyway, and the camera work in this little bit is actually better than the actual film camera. I swear to God. What was this thing filmed on? Cheap digital camcorders? Bloody iPhones? For fuck's sake, this camera work is shocking in this. Now, See, I just love how Blaine's date has never heard of Hitchcock. Pretty much sums up this generation's quote-unquote horror movie gores. Just like last Halloween, where I went to go see Halloween in a cinema. 
and people were mocking, laughing and jeering at it, saying Rob Zombies was much better in every single way. And some thought that it was a fake movie used in screen. What? Really? Shut the fuck up, you stupid little mouth breather, and take another bastard and selfie. Jesus Christ. So moving on. Desiree finds her frenemy, Milan, played by Sabrina Aldrich, and I'm guessing this is the reason for the killings one year later. As the two snipe each other, saying that Desiree is a gold-digging bitch, well, Milan is this Snow White purer-than-pure person. So, at the party, Desiree starts to spread gossip about her to the wannabe Perez Hilton of this movie, Charles Langford, played by Joseph McKellar. Badly, complete with every gay guy's must-have and useless little dog. Stereotype much? Cut to Blaine, trying to get into the pants of two floozies as Desiree pulls him aside to talk about the quote plan for the night and bitching and moaning about not having the latest must-have car. Please just kill her already. I mean, I know she's the Cordelia chase this movie, but come on, kill the bitch. She's a gold-digging whore. Torrance gets shown around by her daddy. Shown off, rather, by her daddy. As Blaine and Dissery whisper about this all being one of her greatest pranks. With the party in full swing, Ryan goes around filming people acting like complete tools. And films Peter, who is apparently in presidential running, even though he doesn't look old enough, making a complete ass of himself and threatens to quote-unquote have him raped by a wizard if the footage makes it onto the tinterwebs. Because that's funny, right? The guy's pissed and he can't see the internet. Milan, the Mother Teresa of this movie, pulls Torrance aside and warns her not to get sucked into their world because all they want is more money, more power, and just plain more. Well, no shit, Sherlock. The rich get richer, the middle class bitch and moan about how it's unfair, and the poor gets fucked over and over again. It's the way of the world, folks, sadly. So once again, Charles, playing the stereotypical gay guy, hits on Ryan, asking if he'll ever get with Milan or see things, quote, his way, before going off hitting on a drunk, preppy, pretty boy. Yeah, the great stereotype there. Unfortunately for Ryan, Blaine pulls Milan into an alcove and hits on her, telling he's himself with her and he doesn't use have to use any cheap dirty tricks except oh no he has spiked her drink so he leads her into a bedroom and the two fall around as Desiree is filming it with Peter gleefully looking on. Unfortunately Barbie and Peter wait I thought they had left because they did a lovely tiff earlier hmm. and Blaine stumble upon Desiree's peeping Tom party where Blaine presses Milan into sex, hello, rape, and out walks Walsy's Disarray and her motley crew. So Milan freaks out and falls to her death over the balcony, with Torrance running in from the ballroom to try to help her dead friend, but it's all too late. Months later, at a courthouse, Blaine loses power over the family's money to Disarray, so all this killing someone so a spoiled brat can get her hands on the money and get a yet another useless must-have car. Really? This is what this movie's about? Jesus fuck. Cut to a TV show, The Susan Moyer Show, hosted by Susan, played by Meredith Boyle, as she is covering the murder of Mulan, the entertainment-style really movie. 
So a quote-unquote rich millionaire gets killed by killed and roofied by two stupidly rich quote bad guys and all it gets is covered by a made-up wannabe e-news show. Really? But it gets worse. She interviews Charles Langsford again, a wannabe Perez Hilton who has his book on full display. A really movie? I mean, come on. Really? Always try to be fucking realistic. Complete with a shit-eating grin. Come on, movie. At least try to be real. He'd be in jail for manslaughter or attempted rape or whatever the fuck it would be. But he'd be jailed. Anyway, moving on. One year later, almost 31st of March 2008, and Blaine is now a chain smoker who can't get it up. Also, he somehow still managed to get girls. I'm guessing money and looks will get you away with murder, quite literally. Cut to Charles, getting filmed while tanning. Again, a stereotypal gay thing. As his little dog is barking plum outside where he runs without worse mince than a bad butcher. Jumps into the pool to save his dog, which turned out to be a toy, and drowns in a huge Olympic-sized swimming pool. Why have an Olympic-sized swimming pool if you can't swim? <laughs> so it fades to black. The next day, Disarray awakes from a start as she has a nightmare, and she sees a blonde in a mirror, and walks off to find herself in a ridiculously huge home of just herself. She walks into the bedroom where it all started, and looks over the balcony. I'm guessing this is foreshadowing. Hmm. The butler hands her mail at the breakfast table, which turns out to be a card saying she's requested to appear at the graveside of Milan, and that she ha- they have proof that it was murder. So off she goes in her new red SL550 Mercedes-Benz, while talking on her red cell phone. Oh, I should say, all the girls have a colour. Barbie is pink, Torrance is white, and Disarree is red. So while driving around town, she sees a blonde woman, which I'm guessing is supposed to be Milan, and this is a bad rip-on Hitchcock's movies, such as Marina. Hmm. Anyway, she tries to find her brother Blaine, who has hauled himself up in their hotel suite. So she shows him her note, and he thinks it's all one of her shitty little jokes. However, she said it isn't unhandsome. His own card. So off they go to the graveside. The movie then cuts to the graveside as Ryan mourns Mulan just as Torrance pulls up in her white car. Of course she's wearing a white overcoat. She tries to comfort Ryan and note the date on a tombstone is 1986-2007. That's a nod to original April Fool's Day but shouldn't have been 1st of April 86 to the 1st of April 2007. Hmm. Up, up pools Disarree and Blaine in her red Merc and finally Barbie wearing pink but of course and her husband Peter in a black limo Peter then acts like he's on a campaign trail with the whole shit eating grin and the whole tricky dicky stuff I mean really movie oh god up pulls a delivery truck and the driver hands us the group a package which Blaine has to sign for. In the package, Blaine finds a note supposed to be written by Mulan saying it's been a year and still no one has owned up to killing me. If you don't, she will kill them all. If they go to the police, they're all dead. They then find a laptop with Charlie's murder on it. 
So off go Blaine to Peter's house because he thinks it's one big bad joke with Ryan and Torrance in tow. At the house, with Desiree now wearing red, even though earlier she was wearing black, they find Charlie's dead body, far too blue to look realistic. So Ryan reaches over to see if the body is dead, falls into the pool with the body sinking to the bottom of the pool. However, the body now looks flesh-toned, and Ryan has some blue makeup around his collar. Mm, great job there, editor. So of course, the bicker and fight amongst themselves, finding out none of them has an alibi for the night before. So cut to Peter in his camping office with the campaign slogan, lowering taxes and raising values. Yeah, of his stock, the money-grabbing bastard. His campaign manager comes in, telling him his numbers have slipped. Well, no shit. He does have this death hanging over him. Why wouldn't he not have his numbers slipped? After all, who'd vote for a killer? Hmm. They also find out he has a fear of germs and babies, so a great politician there. Also, is the actor reading the lines off the laptop? Hmm. But no, we find out he has a vanity picture of himself and is talking to himself in the third person. So cut to Desiree and Blaine at a petrol station where Blaine calls the cops on a payphone as Desiree tries to get in contact with Peter and Barbie. However, giving up, she calls Torrance, who tells her she's had a problem with someone at her set the night early, the night before. Then I say Torrance is not an actress, somehow. I guess that one's out of the blue. On to Ryan at a beauty pageant, filming Little Miss Carolina events. One thing I love about this thing is that parents are huffing helium balloons. <laughs> so, once Barbie is finished on stage with a photographer and a newly crowd Little Miss Carolina and Teen Carolina, I wouldn't she be replaced with a murder scandal and all? Mm. She storms off to her dressing room as the photographer says she's too old for the photographs. And, of course, her dressing room is pink. Why wouldn't it be? She then barks order at her poor pied as Desiree talks about Peter's dead body. One bad joke about lights flickering on and off and looking like Amy Winhouse due to not seeing correctly and in walks the pied with pink roses. Of course, because everything has to be pink for Barbie. So, the... Vaz breaks, spilling its contents everywhere, so off goes Disarray to get a towel, and Barbie gets electrocuted from it, killing her dead. So off goes Disarray to tell her brother about Barbie, and of course return to find the body are missing. Outside, once again, Blaine and Disarray and Ryan argue over nothing and decide to find Peter. Cut to Torrance in a bathroom, where she hears a noise and gets stabbed to death by a hooded man. What, a man in a white mask would have been too much gas for? I mean, that would have been too clever for this movie, I'm guessing. Hmm. Turns out it's her movie. It's all one big setup. While in the car, Desiree hands over Barbie's phone with a text message on it about a restraining order she had against Mulan and an affair that Mulan had Peter had had. So, of course, more infighting. So, Blaine calls the cops, but since it's April Fool's Day, they don't believe him, and hang up. Really, movie? There's been a dead body, and the people try it because they think he's a joke. Anyway, at Peter's camping office, Desiree, Blaine, 
and Ryan split up to look for him as Desiree finds him in the basement parking lot just before a white van tries to run him over but instead of running to the, oh I don't know, two exits the two run away with Peter getting run over by the van as Desiree looks on from her smart hiding place behind a parked car and this is one lame-ass chase, folks topped off by Peter's briefcase flying into the air as papers rain down on him with Desiree hiding in her car as the white van stalks her up and down like a fucking great white shark I mean, who wrote this shit? Honestly, God. It speeds off, so she goes chasing after it. She calls Blaine from her car and tells him Peter is dead. Also, she is following the van. However, instead of pulling up behind it, she pulls up next to it like a stupid bitch. And this is where she sees as a blonde driver. After chasing it some more, in the slowest car chase ever filmed, she was in an empty street. How the fuck do you lose a white van in empty street is beyond me. So after calling her useless hothead for brother, she falls another white van onto the set of Taurus' movie, Boogie Blade 2. Really? Hmm. She gets on set and goes to Taurus' trailer, telling her she thinks Peter and Barbie are dead also. She might be next. In walks Blaine, telling them both that Ryan has left him to find more information, as Torrance tells him both that Ryan has been stalking her for the past year. Not to worry, however, it's just Ryan's hobby. Really, movie? Stalking someone isn't a hobby, it's a crime. So Blaine and Disarray leave Torrance alone with the dog, because it's all important to have the stupid little mutt find a home. And to go and look for answers. At Ryan's house, they find videotapes of everybody doing everyday things, such as sunbathing, talking on cell phones, etc, etc. Meanwhile, Ryan is now home and is driving a bag up the hallway, so Blaine calls the cops. With Ryan home, Disarray and Blair hide in the cutting room as Ryan checks his messages, so a blonde comes out of the shadows, slits his throat in some terrible acting, and Ryan dies. The police arrive in record time as Desiree and Blaine run off, calling Torrance to warn her. However, she doesn't listen and thinks she is the killer. The two then drive back home and find a place empty and complete and utter darkness. Desiree finds another note with I have proof written on it and a huge pile of drugs. She hears a struggle and sees a blonde running into the room, so she runs off into the kitchen where she finds a dead body of the butler. While in the kitchen, she grabs a meat cleaver, runs off again, finding a blonde wig on the floor, and also Blaine is now taped to a chair. Surprise! Out walks Torrance with a gun, which if she fired would probably snap her in two. This is a huge fucking gun, folks. So she ties the both of them to a chair. Oh, and I should say she's now wearing black instead of white. Guess she's no longer a pretty little virgin then. After telling Blaine and Desiree, she killed the rest. She shoots Blaine through the heart, killing him, and puts a gun at Desiree's head. And she confesses all, but surprise again! It's all one big joke. As Blaine wakes up, Ryan walks out of the shadows with the camcorder, and Charles takes a picture of her tied to the chair. As Blaine tells the whole weak-ass plot of this movie, sick of having their names dragged through the mud, so they try to set up Desiree 
and make her confess to the murder which she does with Torrance explaining it was all fake and the news actors and the special effects guys and directors and such from her movie and the gun is indeed firing blanks but oh no she shoots Desiree in the head killing her cut to a courtroom and Blaine gets away with murder again a really movie come on he walks out of the courtroom and drives away in Desiree's car with a smirk on, her fa on his face that's credits roll. So this movie was all about him getting power back or the money. Really? Eesh. So that was April Fool's Day. An even worse movie than the original. With terrible camera work, awful directing and piss poor acting. No wonder this doesn't get a cinema release in Britain. 2 out of 10. So come back next week as I look at Slaughter High. The 1986 other full movie. Then the following week I look at Return to Horror High. And finally wrapping up. I will be seeing Captain America 3. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me movie suggestions at Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Bye.